This is John Beethan with AlternativeHealthTools.com, the podcast. And together, we discover and share new alternative health tools and resources from alternative healthcare practitioners and experts. Sorry for the delay in getting the next episode out. The last time we recorded was January 17th. That was episode 63 with Shannon Parsons on EFT tapping. Today, we have Hunter Clark Fields, who's a mindfulness mama mentor and teaches mindful parenting garnered from her own experience. As she says, a healthy relationship with your children begins with a healthy relationship to yourself, and her mission is to transform harmful generational patterns. With Hunter, you'll learn the deep work of parenting. You'll find real tools to create a lasting impact, not just for your kids, but for generations to come. And as she says, when we create more peace for ourselves, we create more peace for generations. Once I started my meditation practice, it really changed things for me. I really had so much more equanimity. I stopped going through this roller coaster that I had been going through for, I don't know, like 27 years of life. (laughs) And I really started realizing that I wasn't falling into those dips of you know, pits of despair that I used to come into every week or two. And so it was life changing for me. Like it was amazing miracle um, meditation. I learned that we like as parents, we want to give all of this to our kids. Like we want them to be happy and healthy and we want them to be (laughs) self-regulated <laughs> and we want them to be, you know, all these things. So we don't have to sort of deal with their difficult stuff, yeah. but, but we have to take care of ourselves first. Really. That's the foundation for ha- being able to accept your kids. Big feelings is you have to be able to expe- accept it in yourself yeah. to be able to have a calmer and self-regulated kid like you need to show them what that looks like you know I teach skillful communication and try to use it and all that yet we live in a culture that treats children in this totally different way it treats all other human beings Mm. you know like they're less than and it really creates a uh, us versus them culture between kids and adults and it's like in everything it's like in the tv shows especially too you know this is an extraordinary chance to to in some ways shift and change things moving forward into the future right and and an extraordinary chance to pass on all the really wonderful good seeds that my parents gave to me Mm. and a chance to stop the you know try to stop watering the destructive seeds and stop watering the seeds of suffering that were also passed down through me. And, um, and also gave me the motivation to do that. Like, holy moly, you know, like I don't want to mess this up. You know, (laughs) I really don't. I, I, it's, it's that important, you know, If you're on our website at hunteryoga.com, you're going to see Yoga Mama, Buddha Mind. And then a tagline that's, a healthy relationship with your children begins with a healthy relationship to yourself. Welcome, Hunter. Thank you so much, John. I'm really happy to be here. I love podcasting. Yes, because you have a podcast. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yoga Stories Project. Mm-hmm. Yoga Stories Project. So you can find that pretty much ev- anywhere? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh, it's just such a fun excuse to talk to interesting people, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it a while, about 11 years, and it just gets better and better. Awesome. So what's awesome. your podcast about? Oh, um, Yoga Stories Project. Well, it started because I teach yoga and I wanted something to listen to on my drive to my yoga class. And so I mm-hmm. I kind of created that thing to listen to, I suppose. <laughs> and so I interview people too. And there are some solo podcasts too to just inspire people to make yoga and mindfulness a part of their lives. Uh-huh. Um, so I just talk to all kinds of people I find interesting. Um you know. So you, you you basically created this podcast so you could listen to yourself on your drive time, which means <laughs> you're externalize you're externalizing your internal dialogue. That's fabulous. I like that. Well, uh, yeah, it didn't work out quite that way because I don't listen to myself, but um, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So great. I mean, I love your website. It's very it's very clean. That's once again hunteryoga.com. So. Uh, yeah, and I'm also really curious about Hunter. I've never met another Hunter, a first name. Is that your real first name? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, my mom's maiden name. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there, there's Hunters going back. In fact, my mo- grandmother's name was Elizabeth Hunter, and my name is Hunter Elizabeth. So, um, But it was funny because there were no girls, no girls named Hunter for <laughs> my whole life, except for there was a model named Hunter Tylo. But then... It started to become this popular little boy's name, mm. and I was working um, in like a, a teacher supply s- store with toys and stuff in it. And I, I was like in my, t- I was like twenty one or something, and this woman said, "Hunter, put that down right now." And I was like, "Oh my god, like, I just was like, <laughs> what's going on?" <laughs> it, was a, it was so strange. It was so weird. And, and now there's a whole slew of little boys named Hunter, which is cool. Oh, so you started something there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. So, yeah, let's talk about what you do, because back to a healthy relationship with your children begins with a healthy relationship to you. And my first like little question is, I'm sort of curious, did you actually start doing yoga before you were married or after you were married? Oh, I um I started my exploration into yoga and and into Buddhism um in my teens. I mm. um I I really struggled with like a very intense highs and lows and I remember, you know, that happened my whole life and I remember being like at 10 or 11 and my dad like rubbing my back after I'd been just crying and saying, "Oh, Hunter, this is just your artistic personality." And this is the way life is always going to be. And I was basically like, great. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> like, that's really an awful thought. But he was kind of right. You know, I needed to, I did really continue to have these, this kind of roller coaster mm-hmm. uh, emotionally. And um, so I started reading about Buddhism when I was uh, 15 and went to my first yoga class when I was 17. And really just kept exploring from there, you know, became a lifelong passion. Mm -hmm. Well, we've had several yoga teachers on the show before, but what I've, what I found out is that sort of everyone has their own gems that have, they've gleaned from their own practice and Mm -hmm. also, you know, share that and teach others. 
Yeah. So um, once again, getting back to healthy relationships with your children. Mm-hmm. So is that yeah. something you discovered for yourself that that um, in keeping yourself healthy? That yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about keeping your sanity, kind of a thing. Is that is that really what it is? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it was interesting because I um, so I I started. I, so I read for about Buddhism for about 10 years. I started mm-hmm. practicing yoga. Mm-hmm. And I finally started my own meditation practice. And I had my own home yoga practice. And it really, like once I started my meditation practice, it really changed things for me. I really had so much more equanimity. I stopped going through this roller coaster that I had been going through for, I don't know, like 27 years of life. <laughs> and... I really started realizing that I wasn't falling into those dips of, you know, pits of despair that I used to come into every week or two. And so it was life changing for me. Like it was amazing miracle um, meditation. So would you, yeah, just a quick question. So that that also sort of mellow out the highs? Because I find that with every low, there's a corresponding high and vice versa. Like people swing a lot. So would you say yeah. you started to experience a balance in between? Uh, yeah. I mean, I was definitely a swing kind of person. I had extreme enthusiasm <laughs> <laughs> and, and extreme pits. Um, I still have a lot of enthusiasm. I, I, I think it was more significant a change with the lows. I think I would have to be sort of reaching to kind of remember some kind of significance with the highs Mm -hmm. as far as that goes i still enjoyed i mean i enjoyed life more um but then you know and then when i got pregnant i was like sitting with a sangha locally which is a meditation group Mm -hmm. and you know i was pregnant and sitting in my meditation group and i'm like you know part of me thinking like i got this stuff figured out now (laughs) (laughs) and i'm gonna be an amazing mom and this is gonna be awesome look my child's like i'm meditating they're meditating in the womb (laughs) (laughs) were you oming too (laughs) oh yeah in my yoga classes for sure yeah and um and then you know when my daughter was like 18 months old two years old and started to you know she started talking and saying no and all of the things um you know it was really a kind of a scary time because this she brought out i mean it's so hard to imagine now because they're so darn cute at that age Mm -hmm. but she brought out this incredible rage that was in me like i had a temper that I knew exactly where it came from. It was my father's temper, right? Like Mm -hmm. that came out in me and I could see like, you know, when she had big feelings because she was, you know, a lot like me and a lot like my father was very sensitive. And um, when she had these big feelings, I couldn't handle it because I was taught by my father that it was not okay to have these big feelings because he would get upset at them. You know, you can see how this goes down the line. And so I realized I had some big work to do Mm -hmm. to help tame my temper and to, I didn't, I wanted this to stop. Like I could see this cycle and I really wanted it to stop with me. And I wanted to transform my anger 
so that I could be more peaceful and grounded for her so that she would not have to, you know, deal with this when she was, you know, when she was my age and, and back in the cycle again. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So where, where, how, where did Buddhism come into the, you know, what point did you sort of go that direction as well? Or was it simultaneous? It was simultaneous. I, in fact, I think I, I studied Buddhism before I got into yoga. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> the first thing I read was, it's such a weird introduction to Buddhism, I have to say, but I, I used to ride my bike to this job I did. Um, and I, there was this, my parents had a teeny tiny book of pocket Zen koans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would like bring these Zen stories to my job. And then I'd read them and just be so perplexed. You, know? <laughs> you must have loved your job, huh? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was like a, a secretary for a, a guy uh, who worked on yachts, and I had a lot of time to kill. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that time to kill actually benefited you well, huh? Yeah, I guess it did, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. So what do you specifically do now to keep, uh, to keep yourself uh, healthy? I mean, obviously, you're still, you know, doing yoga. And on your website, you know, it's like there's a big shout out there to work with me. And I know that you've also wanted to talk a little bit about your um, experience association relationship with Tara Brock. Because when we talked last week, you had said that Mm. you knew who she was. Oh, yeah. She's a wonderful teacher. I I love her work. Um, So... I mean, going back, I guess you, you know, you asked about a healthy relationship with your kids starts with a healthy relationship with yourself. And I think that what I learned, um, through the years and and now I do work, I work coaching moms and I teach a mindful parenting course. Mm. Um, I learned that we like as parents, we want to give all of this to our kids. Like we want them to be happy and healthy and we want them to be (laughs) self-regulated and we want them to be, you know, all these things. So we don't have to sort of deal with their difficult stuff, but, but we have to take care of ourselves first. Really that's the foundation for being able to accept your kids. Big feelings is you have to be able to accept it in yourself to be able to have a, calmer and self-regulated kid like you need to show them what that looks like um so that's i mean for me i saw that work in my own family and myself and i saw oh my gosh this is so so important i know that i have to live what i want my kids to learn and so i you know it just became like the great work of my life to be able to do that and then to be able to share that with other people, like it is possible to transform this. And it, there are tools. They're not super easy necessarily, but you can do it. It is possible. Um, and it's worthwhile for sure for the next generation to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting because I've been meeting a lot of people, um, that women specifically, that are actually um, – working on really just being models for their kids, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is really, really important. It's not like they're trying to change anything about themselves. They're just doing what you're doing in a sense, which is, you know, just setting yourself straight. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, 
they see us, you know, what we do and how we live our lives says a lot more than than mm. what we say. I mean, kids are really crappy at listening to what we say. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they're great at doing what we do and speaking the way we speak and and all of that. So if we're yelling at our kids and then we're like, well, why are they yelling at me? Or if we're ordering our kids around and we're not very respectful to them, you know, like and they're yeah. not. And they're not very respectful that back. We're like, well, where did that come from? Yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's it be- just like. <laughs> yeah, it becomes pretty obvious, doesn't it? It really does. It really, really does. Yeah, I mean, it really becomes obvious because then they, they just reflect back exactly what you said. Like I could watch my older daughter with her little sister saying these things that, you know, I said to her and being like, oh, no, that's. I got to work on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, when I'm out, I don't have any children, but when I'm out and about and I hear families interact, I'm hearing kids say stuff out of their mouth that doesn't sound at all natural or like them. And you, you know, you know where it comes from. You know? Yeah. And the, yeah. I'm. Go ahead. No, no. They And they do absorb it from everywhere, too. So I'm a little worried about, like, I don't know, this one TV show my, my daughter wa- watches is, you know, they get, it's weird because, you know, I do all this work to create a, a peaceful environment and we mm-hmm. have respectful conversations. We, you know, I teach skillful communication and try to use it and all that. Mm-hmm. Yet, we live in a culture that treats children in this totally different way, it treats all other human beings, mm. you know, like they're less than, and it really creates a uh, us versus them culture yeah. between kids and adults. Yeah. And it's like in everything, it's like in the TV shows, especially too. And, um, but I, you know, it's frustrating. I'm not going to like tell her that she can't watch, you know, her, her one show that she loves for her, her, her time of screen time, but it's still, it's, um, it, it's in some ways to have a peaceful, respectful relationship with your child uh, goes against the tide, which is a little sad. Well, it's difficult and challenging. It must be. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, yeah, I'm just curious when you're talking about screen time, you allocate mm-hmm. so much time a day or a week or how does that work? Yeah, well, it's been an ongoing kind of um, discussion how we do that. We mm. we in our house we um, we try to keep things pretty simple. Uh, we do have limits and boundaries on screen time. We have a we do screen free Sunday every week, so nobody and everyone in the whole family takes a break nice. from screen time, which is really healing a really healing practice I think. And um, but for the kids. We had, they had a certain amount of time before, but we found that it's not very fun to set timers and be like the uh, timer police. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Who wants to spend their life doing that, you know? Yeah, no fun. So, you know, we just allow them, you know, when, when they take care of their responsibilities, if they have time, they can have some screen time. And then, you know, if it's been a while, we try to teach them to see when it feels like it's been too much but it's hard because it's so addictive yeah. so it's um it's really hard for them to tear themselves away yes. uh it's a, a special medium in that in that kind of way you know yeah awesome awesome so how does somebody actually start working with you what's the what's the process 
I mean, on your website, you you know, there's obviously a, a place for people mm-hmm. to, you know, contact you. Yeah, well, there's all kinds of different levels. A lot of, you know, I send out a weekly um, email and, and I, I send out just an inspirational kind of quote on Wednesdays and every once a month I'll send out a loving kindness letter. So people can get, who are interested, can just sign up for that. And I have all these free resources. I actually have a course that people can take for free on my free resources page. Yep. And, um, but then when people are ready for a, uh, a deeper level, I work with people, um, as a coach. Um, I coach people, uh, either, uh, you know, for three months at a time or six months or even a year we do, I do a year of transformation. And, um, those are these levels where I work intimately with people in a coaching level and then I do some small group coaching. Mm-hmm. And then on a bigger level, I've been doing my um, mindful parenting course, which I'm so thrilled about and so um, proud of. I've just um, taught it. it. It was it was like this thing that came to me out of the blue because I had learned to teach um, PET or parent effectiveness training. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is wonderful, but it's missing this mindfulness piece. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, how can you make change? Mindfulness is really the tool to help us make change because it helps us shift our brain and helps us see the thoughts before, you know, at, and become less reactive. Mm-hmm. So I created this course and I taught it for the first time in person. Um, someone wrote a grant for me to teach it in person here in Delaware and also online. And so I'm going to now I'm going to teach this course a- as well. And so this is a way for people to to dive in. Um, at, I think that's the most accessible level for people to to sort of dive into the work is to, to mm-hmm. join the mindful parenting course. And it and it, it's. It gives you a, a lot, but I'm hoping that it, it really creates a foundation for people to make that that these shifts that are so um, challenging. You know, with with a group, with people, with other people who are making these shifts too. Mm, awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, um, I you know honestly, I've I've come across um, other practitioners that are actually doing mindfulness and parenting courses, but. Um, you know, I do know at the bottom of your website, you know, you are featured in several different places like Tiny Buddha, the Huffington Post, and Yoga Healers, and Parenting Radio, and MOPS. Is that what that was? Oh, Mothers of Preschoolers. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, great. It's, like a, it's a big thing. You'd be surprised. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, I can see that. I can see that. So that's <laughs> that's great. So Elephant Journal, too. I, I know somebody else that actually publishes a lot in Elephant Journal. It's really a wonderful way to sort of get out there. So yeah. let me let me ask you, in terms of, you, you've talked a lot about how you got to where you are and everything, but I always like to find out and ask, you know, what would you say is the defining moment that things in your life changed, whether it was related to this or not, but just everything changed? Well, that's a really uh, tough question, John. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always bad with like defining moments. I'm sort of, uh, I'm I'm sort of bigger on on vaguer seasons. Um, So what you're telling me is you are a defining moment? No, no, no. I think, um, I think probably the defining moment for me, um, I mean, defining big change in my life was absolutely becoming a parent because Mm. um, I, 
it was such a shock and awe kind of situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of it's so um, it's so hard to um, it's hard to imagine how surreal and amazing it is to mm. be in a room like you're you're you know you're having all this labor and all that, but you're in a room and. First, there's four people in the room, and then all of a sudden, there's a whole other person in the room that wasn't there <laughs> in the room before. It's like totally weird and amazing, and um, and they're a piece of you. Yeah, and they they are a piece of you, and it 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 just um, I guess I I think I you know I I've been a painter um, oh, in really? my life, and I've I've done artwork, and I never. Um, I never had anything important enough to make art around until I became a parent. Mm. And I realized how important this all was to me and how important these relationships were to me and how I really, you know, this was an extraordinary chance to, um, to in some ways shift and change things moving forward into the future, right? And, and an extraordinary chance to pass on all the really wonderful good seeds that my parents gave to me, mm. and a chance to stop the, you know, try to stop watering the destructive seeds and stop watering the seeds of suffering that were also passed down through me, and um, and also gave me the motivation to do that, like, holy moly, you know, like, I don't yeah. want to mess this up. You know, <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's that important, you know? Yeah. Do you, th- you know, I, I, I'm feeling really humble. I don't really know why emotionally. I'm just very humble um, talking with you just because I haven't had the total experience of parenting mm-hmm. and uh, partially, but not totally. So, you know, part of it for me is like I'm having I'm having this awareness of responsibility that all of a sudden the world is so much bigger than just about yourself. And and there's a responsibility and my curiosity asks, you know, do you do you think with every generation we whether it's instinctual or conscious or whatever, that we actually bump it up a notch and make the next generation just a little bit better? Um, you know, I, yeah, yeah, you know, I hope so. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that parenting just, it just magnifies the, the idea that we, of the effect that we have on the world, right? Like you Mm -hmm. have that effect too, you know, in so many ways and all the people you touch, but I think it really does. Um, there is that shift. I remember having that conversation with my father and he, him telling me like, well, you know, when I was a kid, I was beaten with a strap and that was normal. Mm -hmm. And that was just part of his generation. And when you were young, I I only spanked you. So that was a shift and a change for us Mm -hmm. where we improve things. And, you know, and, and at that time we were talking about how I don't want to yell at my kids and, and he's saying, and you don't want to yell. And so this is this things shift and improve in, in that way. And so hopefully things do improve. I think we have so much, oh gosh, we have just such an explosion of knowledge and resources at our fingertips now that I think it's shifting faster mm-hmm. um, than 
than ever before because we're just learning, you know, we have access to so much. We have access to this. We have access to these conversations where, you know, we can start to start to have our, our minds opened to things. Um, when I was, when my daughter was a baby, I remember meeting uh, another family in my neighborhood and I live in a progressive little neighborhood and they said to me, oh yeah, you know, we never use timeouts uh, with our kids. And at the time I thought, oh my God, like, how do you ever, <laughs> mm. like, and I thought that was like this um, shocking and amazing thing. And now I would, I, I never punish my kids. Like, it sounds so weird in some ways. Like, we just have conversations and, and I get my needs met and they get their needs met. You know, we, we talk about things and I can't imagine doing that now. And so, so I don't know. I mean, I really do think there's an expansion in knowledge. There's mm -hmm. just so much out there. Yeah. Well, obviously, you're doing something completely different than your father or so many other people are doing. Can you give us a little taste of some sort of um, example that, you know, in terms of constructive conversation that you're talking about? Mm, yeah. I mean, well, there's different things, uh, the different ways you can sort of communicate with your kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's ways of communicating that aren't so great in a positive way and in a negative way. Like, um, in a positive way, you hear all the time, like on a playground, like, good job, <laughs> good job. And, and it's kind of, um, and in fact, it, it's, that is a little detrimental if we want our kids to sort of be intrinsically motivated yes. to have in achievements. And so, you know, we can in instead like describe what we're seeing like, oh, you did that. Wow. You know, yeah, that's really cool. Um, and in the in the sort of sense that we as adults, our, our needs are just as valid as an, and important as our kids' needs. Mm -hmm. We have to get our needs met. So mm -hmm. um, instead of like saying, um, you know, stop jumping on the couch <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, you might say like, oh, hey, hey, when you jump on the couch, it could ruin the couch. And also I'm really distracted from my work when you do that, you know, mm. Um just kind of describing the situation mm -hmm. and telling your kids how does it how it f affects them. Mm -hmm. So it's and, and it's sensory based. Yeah, or like kind of um, describing what are, if they're doing something that is kind of not meeting your needs, right? Mm -hmm. um, you can say to your kids like, when you do this thing, mm -hmm. this is how I feel about it, and this is how it affects me. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, you're asking them to have intrinsic motivation to stop that because they care about you and, and your needs, you know, mm -hmm. rather than do that or uh, don't do this, or I'm going to threaten you with something. Mm -hmm. In that case, they're, they're doing something out of fear and it's not because necessarily they're, they want to stop doing whatever it is. It's because they're afraid of, of you. So it's this external motivation. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Which is actually in a very ineffective in the long run, you know, because external motivation only works as long as we have power over our kids. And, you know, the more we have, we use this power, the less influence we have, mm -hmm. you know, the less we use power, the more influence we have and the closer our relationship is. And, and I really think that's why, um, 
there's so much trouble in adolescence mm. because that's when power runs out, really. Mm. That's right? when power like, runs out. Yes. Like then the parent can no longer threaten the kid to say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that to you because the kid will just be like, well, I'm going to go do whatever I want to do anyway, right? Yeah. This is what kind of happens in adolescence. But if you've had a, a relationship with your kid all along where instead you're talking to them about your needs and you're not using the power power and threats over them, then you have a lot more influence in adolescence when they really need that. They really need positive influence in their life. It needs to be a time where they can come to you and ask you questions, not a time when they're like, oh, I don't, you know, I've. I, you know, I have all this resentment towards this person who's been forcing me to do what they want me to do for all my life. Now I'm going to do what I want to do, you know? Yes. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this and since I don't have any kids, but I do have clients, I'm thinking of ways that I can apply it to my client base and Mm. I'm serious. And Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I wanted to mention, the rheology people, I may have mentioned it last week, but the rheology people that's run by Jake and Hannah Eagle, one thing they teach I find to be really useful is no praise, no blame with children. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like it doesn't really – it really doesn't matter, honey, what I think. What do you think about it? Hmm. You know? You bring some some art piece home from school, and it's just like, so what was that like for you drawing it? How do you like it? How would you do it differently? Sort of stuff like that, turning it back into them so that they develop, you know, an esteemed, um, an esteemed value and appreciation for themselves and what they've done themselves. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I mean, but I think you can praise in some ways, but it's mm-hmm. just you can be thoughtful about the praise. Like, oh, look at that. Look, you put this yellow over here. You put this red over here. How cool. You must have worked hard on that. You know, tell me what you were thinking about it. Exactly. Like what, you know. Awesome. Um, yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So generally with the uh, situation in the world, taking it outside the family, um, from your perspective, what do you what do you seen? I mean, I don't necessarily want to, you know, even I'll mention the election, but there's a lot of change going on right now, and I'm just sort of curious about your own perspective in terms of coming from this place of of this resource you have and this mindfulness. Um, you know, what, what what are you seeing, and what do you think the world sort of needs to know or hear? What would you say? What do you say? Well, it, it's interesting because there was has been in the circles that I work in a lot of um, fear and uncertainty since the election and um, <clears throat> in the world. And, you know, when I look at this, mm-hmm. I think um, this is more than ever a call to empower ourselves. Yes. To 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 wake up mm-hmm. to make those changes that we want to make mm-hmm. um and to to be uh the peace that we want to see in the world and to to take you know take empowered action and wake up and i really think that the foundation of that really comes in our own practice of mm-hmm. grounding ourselves centering ourselves mm-hmm. and 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 then you know being being that peace and and being having that balancing 
on one hand, that um, awareness of everything that's going on. And, you know, there's some of that fear, you know, that happens, but also balancing that with our own empowerment and our own grounding so that Mm -hmm. when the time comes for us to take action and we are ready and we are powerful and we're not weak and scared and full of anxiety. Awesome. Awesome. I have witnessed, I have witnessed recently people becoming more activated than I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really good thing. Um, You know, living in San Diego, obviously there's a lot of people here. Well, I'm basically in Encinitas, Carlsbad area, and there's a lot of people that are, you know, concerned about the environment. And the activism that's going on here is just absolutely amazing. There's, you know, Mm -hmm. something every day, like two, three different meetings and uh, people are get people are coming together in community. I think it's really really awesome. Yeah, I'm seeing that too. I mean, the weekend after the election, I mm-hmm. mean, I got off my butt and went to the local <laughs> shop and met with people and you know, we talked, you know, talked about let's get together again and see what can we do locally? What can we do, awesome. you know, you know, what can we do? We just want to be able to take action in the, in the positive direction to sort of counteract the, you know, the worries of what might be. Yes. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, That's absolutely the silver lining is everybody being like, you know, it's interesting. My husband, we were talking about it. Um, and he had a great metaphor for it. Mm. And he said that it's like our collective um, immune system is on alert now, right? And it's like really like watching out for this this <laughs> virus that is coming that, to our country. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a great metaphor. That's a really great metaphor. Thank yeah. him for that one. I'm actually writing it down. Yeah. Yeah, it is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so awesome. So what else? What else would you like to cover? Anything at all? Wow, good good question. I, um, I'm not sure. Um, you what, know, I... Mm-hmm. I was gonna, what, do you see, what do you see in terms of um, any kind of vision or goal for yourself or your family or your, you know, whatever? What do you, what do you see in the future? I mean, you know, mm, what, mm, what do you aspire mm-hmm. to be more like? Anything at all? Mm, okay. Um, well, it's interesting because I've been thinking about the future now as, and I would really aspire to reach as many people as I can with the mindful parenting course mm-hmm. and the work. I mean, I really would love to, um, you know, I would love to see it taught all around, see the you know, see mindfulness taught more widely. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's being taught more widely in schools and things like that. But I really feel like if we can reach parents, mm-hmm. we can reach those early ages, right? We can get get kids mm-hmm. at those early ages to have role models. Um, so, I mean, that's really my higher aspiration is just to reach as many people as I can to to share this, this work with and to mm-hmm. help people shift away from um, all the, you know, the, the habits, habit energies of, of suffering of our past that we have, you know, we have this, we have all these, um, you know, we have, I think parents, especially like we get into parenting and then we realize, oh, you know, I still have all this healing to do and I still have all this learning to do. And I feel like parenting is like, um, 
kind of like, you know, I thought about it because I, I practice uh, um, Buddhism in the tradition of Thich Nhat Hanh, and, you know, so we've gone on, our, our family's gone on a, a family retreat there, and I took my, when my daughter was six, she and I went in, on retreat with Thich Nhat Hanh, and... Um, mm. And it was so cool, you know. It was this wonderful, wonderful thing. But I, I was, I think of the the monks and the nuns, and I'm like, oh, you know, they are so they're very much on the path. They're living the path. Yet, I look at parenting and the way parenting shows us, right? Like, you know, we can get into our 20s and into our lives, and we think, oh, I've got stuff figured out. Mm. Life's going pretty well, because we're kind of editing out, right? We're choosing what we want (laughs) in our lives. And then, and then kids come along, and they're just like, oh, look, here you go. This is the stuff you need to work on. (laughs) Look, here's (laughs) something else you need to work on, you know, and here's another thing over here. And it's just like, um, they point the way. They are really teachers in that way, and that they show us what we need to work on. You know, they really um, bring up. You know, sometimes you know we feel like one huge button being ready to be pushed, <laughs> 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 and kids will find that button. Um, so uh, I think that parenting can be really. Uh, a spiritual path, you know, in if we let it, it can really be a path of yeah. incredible self-awareness. Yep. If we can see these things and not shame and blame and guilt ourselves for them, you know, yeah. but instead say, oh, this is this, this anger, look at this. Isn't this interesting? What can I do with this? How yes. can I get help? to transform this, you know, what tools can I find and then use that as a a catalyst and for your own awakening. I mean, I really believe it's um, an incredible crucible to, uh, to be in, to help, help us awaken in that way. Yes. Awesome. I was going to also say that, you know, I lived most of my adult life in Santa Fe, New Mexico and, I worked for a publishing company, Bear and Company Publishers, and and there was the warehouse the warehouse manager, I think it was his um, his name was Joseph Kalsa, and he was a Sikh. And there was a huge Sikh community outside of Santa Fe in Espanola. In fact, they teach they're sort of the the teaching center for that particular religion. But Joseph told me, because there were so many, a few families just starting at Bear and Company when he was working, and he told me once that he thought that that families parenting um, is, you know, they consider it to be the highest dharma, the highest place to work it out. The place that if you're in family, you know, you're, you're golden. This is, this is where it really happens. Amen to that. Absolutely. I I would think about that. And I would think about like the yogis up in a cave and I'm like, you got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You got nothing on me. It's funny. I had a conversation once on my podcast with a really funny guy um, who wrote this hilarious book called uh, Adventures of a Garden State Yogi and Adventures of a Parenting Yogi, uh, Brian Leith. Mm-hmm. And we had this conversation like, well, what, you know, what would happen if Dalai, the Dalai Lama were stuck 
inside um, for like two or three consecutive snow days with like <laughs> a two and three year old. <laughs> and like, what would happen? And, you know, we decided that the Dalai Lama would probably get angry, but he would be okay. Like he wouldn't be he wouldn't be mad at himself for his anger. He wouldn't feel guilty for his anger. And then we thought, decided that Thich Nhat Hanh would probably not get angry. Like, he'd probably, like, sit down on the floor with them and be like, let's play Candyland, <laughs> which, like, drives me nuts. Candyland is so boring. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, 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 Candyland. I, boy, talk about bringing back memories. Oh, my gosh. Candyland. <laughs> boy, that was one way to sell candy, huh? Oh, that's the worst game, man. Candyland will make you just want to tear your hair out. It is so boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think we've just named this uh, this particular episode. Um, we'll call it Conscious Parent, uh, Parenting with Candyland Not. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm not going to name it that. <laughs> no Candyland. I mean, but, you know, I mean, that's something parents think – a lot of parents who are kind of in a peaceful parenting path feel like, oh, you know, I have to like get, I have to get down on the floor and play Candyland with my kid. And, and I don't think that you have to do that, you know, <laughs> like if you hate Candyland, there are other ways you and your kids can come together. And I feel like, you know, as parents, we can respect ourselves and our own needs, you know, as, yeah. as well as our kids. And, and that's, um, that's a big lesson that that some of us need is to be like, you know what, my needs are just as important as your needs, which is hard because when they're infants, of course, the, you know, the, you have to take care of everything for your kids. But mm. eventually you have, have to take care of your own needs. That mm. oxygen mask um, analogy is, is a good one and it's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I'm going to be respectful of your time. I know that we have a, you know, have about 10 minutes before you have to be somewhere. Is there, is there anything you think that the world needs to hear from Hunter Clark Fields today? <laughs> if there's just one thing. Hmm. If there's just one thing, I would say, um, I would say have start some kind of mindfulness practice. It's really the gold standard for learning to take care of your mind. Mm. And I was one of those people who couldn't sit still and, you know, I run and I have to do all these things to kind of take care of my energy, but I actually could sit still and you can do it. And it really, um, you know, it really does help with all those things. It helps with anxiety and it, and it helps ground you and it helps you just accept yourself a little bit more and accept others a little bit more. So I invite you to make a practice. And even if it's really small, it can be a, a three minute meditation practice, mm. but that can really start a shift that could lead to wonderful things. Mm. So leading to a m- more enjoyable life. Absolutely. It certainly helps you enjoy. I mean, I feel like it's like this. I mean, if anyone said like all the things that mindfulness could do and put it in a pill and said it's in pill form and there's no side effects, <laughs> like everyone would be on it. Right. Like, yeah. but um, but it's interesting that it's really it's really hard for us to do, even though. I mean, the benefits are incredible, better sleep, um, you know, more focus, more clarity, lower depression, lower reactivity. Um, yeah, that's a big et one. Et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for being here. I, you know, it's really been a great experience for me. It's calmed me down a lot. <laughs> cool. <laughs> you seem like a pretty children guy, John. I, I think well, it'd be hard to calm you down. <laughs> well, no, I, it's been extremely busy. I mean, you know, I've uh-huh. in the last um, week and a half, I've done like six or seven different podcast recordings. And you know mm. what it takes to sort of prepare for all that. So, mm-hmm. and so I'd uh, what in best way to get in touch with you is at um, hunteryoga.com, would you say? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and okay. there's a bunch of free resources people can yes. try out there. There's even a, a little course, five simple things you can do to be less irritable with your child. Nice. Um, so, um, yeah, and you can meditate there. You can do some yoga practices there, all kinds of fun stuff. So five things to be less irritable with your chil- your children. Would that also include the children within you? Yes, it will. It will. Because they are simple things, yet, but they are not easy. I, I do give you that caveat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great. Until next time. And I'm going to egg you on to join us in doing some webinar coaching if you're up for it. But we can talk about it a little bit later. Sounds cool. Sounds yeah. cool. Thank you so much, John. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and yeah, connect really with nice. your listeners. And mm-hmm. All right, good. Until next time, alternativehealthtools.com, the podcast. <laughs>